1: I was going to introduce the movie and I have not written something for it. We can just, just,
0: you know, roll into it, you know, we're we're going to improvise. We're going to improvise because this movie was highly improvised. Yes. One could argue. So who needs, who needs lines? Who needs the written word? Not us. No, not I said the cat. Yes.
1: And said the dog. (laughs)
0: Although occasionally it needs to be, no, but. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, I went to UCB. University of cutting bitches. I don't know. I have to leave. As you could tell, I'm an improv god. (laughs) I'm crying. The greatest person to ever do it, you know. This is actually, I think, an argument to never do this again.
1: We we didn't um, take the 400 level class at Second City or whatever.
0: <laughs> you know? We haven't. We, we it's like university th- level. I don't know. I know nothing about improv.
1: <laughs> there's levels. Level. I know that. I know there's levels. This don't is a gaslight university.
0: <laughs> Calm down. Okay. Actually, I am here to gaslight a gatekeeping, <laughs> So yeah. don't tell me what to do. <laughs>
1: we love to gaslight gatekeep girl boss on this podcast (laughs) much like hildy
0: she's a girl boss she is a girl boss she might gaslight you too to get her story and she might gatekeep also to get her story because the movie that we're talking about
1: i think you know what it is (laughs) It's His Girl Friday from 1940, directed by Howard Hawks. We also have not introduced this podcast no. yet.
0: No, I usually do that, don't I? Yeah, you do. <laughs> this is why we're not good at improvising. Um, to be clear, this is Blessed Picture. What we do on this podcast, what do we do? We explore underrated off-the-wall of movies we think are totally blessed. Not ble- It's not blessed, I do want to be clear, because we have gotten it's, some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> it's blessed like best. People, come on, because the on. pun is best picture. Best picture, picture blessed, blessed picture. picture. Now, to be clear, this movie did not win best picture, nor was it even nominated for best Which picture, is... nor was it nominated for anything else. So that is why we're doing it today. Yeah. Now you're thinking, we this is the Oscar favorite season, not season series. Why are you doing a movie that didn't get nominated for anything? Well, because it was a notable snub, and today is Monday, the day after the Oscars, which definitely happened when we're recording. <laughs>
1: right now, yeah, I forgot. We recorded
0: that. real time.
1: Yeah, we record real time. This is what that that peek behind the curtain, folks.
0: Yeah, um, those Oscars things. Those Oscars. Can you believe People won stuff? Can you believe won. she won? Wow, I can't either. Same. Can, can you believe that movie won? Wow.
1: You know what? I was pretty happy with that one thing that happened and that performance. I thought that that was fun.
0: Yeah. Kind of wild that um, Borat started hosting. And he just said my wife for like the entire show. Actually, they didn't even hand out an award.
1: <laughs> There's no awards, just Borat.
0: If I ran the Oscars, it would be no awards and all Borat. So, I mean, I get it. We I understand know. Know why Steven, Steven Soderbergh went there. This is the worst episode we've ever done. This is terrible. Yeah, but no. So uh, the idea was that we would pick an Oscar snub to do on Oscar day. Not on Oscar day. The day after Oscars. The day after Oscars. The day after the Oscars. And we would just, you know, and we would preferably, preferably do a movie before 2000 because we've had a problem <laughs> with front-loading We're working our, on it. We're working here. on it. But, um, yeah, so we had a poll we put out the poll, and it had uh, "What's Up, Doc"? Great movie. Uh, great movie. "Night of the Hunter," great movie. Um, "His Girl Friday," and then the other option. Now that I've found it, was my own private Idaho. Oh yes. But yeah, so "His Girl Friday" won, and we're doing it. We're doing that that movie. <laughs> we're here,
1: and I I love this movie bro i watched it for the first time in quarantine last year and i was like okay wait this is fucking iconic and then i made my friend emily um future guest uh watch it with me because i was like listen the vibes of this movie are unmatched unmatched vibes um and i'm just
0: obsessed with it i i love it i love it so much I was actually genuinely shocked that this movie didn't get a single nomination in any respect. Insane. Um, It's it's obviously on the national film registry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And has like a really, a really great reputation. People love it. You know, it's, it's, it's beloved. It's one of the greatest comedies of all time, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I was mostly just shocked that they didn't go in for it. And this is a year when they had 10 best picture nominees. Yeah. How did it not? And how did it not get adapted screenplay? Like, I, I just... It's
1: just so crazy Wild, to me. Also kind of wild it didn't even get sound. Yeah. Because the sound in this movie is... Uh, I, could, I can't believe how they, they did it. They literally
0: had to invent shit to get the overlapping dialogue. Because that was not a thing that was done. Like, you know? this
1: movie was, like, innovation at its finest. Like, Howard Hawks said, No, I want this to be the, like, most dialogue per minute ever. Let's fucking go. And they mm-hmm. said yeah okay let's do it and they like m- didn't have any boom mics they had individual mics and they had to like cue each like mic <laughs> it's turn insane them off and on. like that sound ta- like those sound techs give them oscars i would like, have been they sweating all- my individual. ass off are you kidding you me
0: believe- like i i sweat doing the podcast i would have been sweating if i had to like perfectly time up
1: <laughs> With like I, I was a stage manager dialogue. for many years and have called many cues and the thought of having to track all of these different microphones for these like fast talking, quick scenes, like gives me hives.
0: It's no, yeah, no, unfathomable. It's it's honestly like a miracle that they got everything to work perfectly in the end. Yes. Yeah insane oh my god and imagine that's your job all the pressure in the world is placed upon you squarely because if you don't hit the right button at the right time you gotta restart you gotta do everything all over again and it's your fucking fault
1: i would be like so embarrassed like i would be like please don't
0: perceive me but before we get too deep into it do we have some yeah movies of the week to talk about (laughs) i'll let you go first i i
1: forgot about (laughs) But I do have one. This is where my brain is. I last night watched Wolfwalkers, which is nominated for Best Animated Picture at the Oscars this year. And the animation is, like, stunning. Like, it is so beautiful and captivating. And the story is very cute. And I love, you know, witches getting burnt at the stake. You know? It's just, like, fun times.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I... childhood (laughs) fair.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, but I highly recommend it. It's on Apple TV+. Plus If you have that, I have a free subscription until like the summer. And then I will have to purchase it because they are making a TV show with Dove Cameron and Aaron debate that I manifested. So I Damn will it. have to pay for Apple TV plus eventually. But it is worth it for things like Wolf Walkers and also Ted Lasso. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I do want to say though, if you... Pay for Apple TV Plus. Don't admit that to anyone, like, cause like, that yeah, kind of embarrassing.
1: I know. I it's gonna be so embarrassing when I have to say yes, I pay for Apple TV Plus for the um, musical TV show starring Dove Cameron and Aaron Tveit. Like, that's so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, Wolf Walker is great. Go watch it. It's a nice yeah. little romp um it's emotional at points you know just like children's movies are want to do and I don't know I really I had a really good time watching it. Shelby, what is your blessed movie of the week? Oh
0: you already know what I'm gonna say. Do I? Oh you do <laughs> yeah I do you do you do you do now <laughs> I haven't seen my it blessed yet. picture involves a lizard that some might call giant And a monkey that some might also call giant yes i know technically godzilla is like a dinosaur or something and i know really i mean technically he's not like a dinosaur dinosaur but like he's like closer to a up to a dinosaur than like a gecko okay okay Um, and then technically kong is an ape he's not a monkey but it's funny to say a lizard is fighting a, a monkey um yeah the movie that I am declaring my last picture of the week is Godzilla versus Kong directed by Adam Wingard. It just came out onto HBO Max and in theaters at the time of recording. Um, I guess when this airs, it will have been out for about two weeks, but I watched it and I got to tell you, it feels like you're taking a squeegee to your brain. I can't wait. Oh, I'm it, so excited. I want that. Like, it's been a minute since we've had a good, like, this is a movie that is completely dumb. And the discourse around it really is just, this movie is dumb. I love it. Like, there is no real arguments happening. There's no discourse, nothing. It's just, yes, I enjoyed watching the giant monkey punch a giant lizard in its trap. Like, that is, like, the essence of everybody's conversations surrounding this movie. And that is the thing that can unite us all together. I think I agree, and I I'm
1: seeing it tomorrow, not yeah. the two days after the Oscars, but day after recording on Easter Sunday. My vaccinated ass will be walking to the movie theater to see Godzilla versus Kong.
0: I texted you and I said you will love this movie. You will be hooting and hollering. I promise and I, you. I immediately bought a ticket. <laughs> yeah, like I was like you will die. Cause here's the thing. I want to be very clear the human element of this movie, don't give a shit about genuinely. Like there's yeah. like maybe one character you care about, but at the end of the day, it's just set dressing practically. Like you're only there to see the giant lizard fight the giant monkey and they they know that. They understand that. Now they could have reduced some of the dialogue a little bit just in my personal opinion, but That it wouldn't be like a real movie, I guess. So, and here's the thing. I also want to be clear. I did not see Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters or whatever that movie's called um, that came out a couple of years ago. And then I have never seen Kong Skull Island. I have watched a ride through of the Kong (laughs) Skull Island ride at Universal. Hell yeah. this is a pro theme park podcast don't forget it not watched the actual movie and i will tell you you don't have to watch any of those movies all you need to know is who godzilla is and who king kong is it's pretty much self-contained yes there are references to some of the other movies i'm assuming but because like millie bobby brown and um kyle chandler's characters carry over But but who cares truly like just vibes and when they fight it's great they fight two times which you're thinking to yourself that's not a lot and you're like you watch that's it though gone. they fight for a very long time comparatively right. i can't wait speaking of a great piece of um fiction his girl friday yes
1: <laughs> not based, based on, on a play fiction, though no it's based on a play yes and um, the front page but, yes by ben hecht and in this play Hildy is not a woman there is no romance factor in yeah which um the reason why this all happened is because Howard Hawk had a <laughs> dinner party where he was talking about dialogue and how good the dialogue was in this play and made everyone read it and like one of his friends who's a woman like read for Hilde and then he was like yeah actually that's how it should be um, so Charles letter did the screenplay for it, famously of Oceans Eleven. yes,
0: with help um, from Ben Hecht, the original er, the original playwright. And um he also, like, I think, had tried to mount an adaptation, yes, at one point. And so that's how he pretty much got the job. Um, and I really like that they changed Hildy to a woman. Thing. because i think that that makes at least for me personally a much more interesting movie i like the idea of there being this kind of like romantic element to it um even though this movie really like they don't kiss there's like nothing really that romantic happening no at all it's really just about the reporting like that's kind of the thing like, yeah it's, it's, it's about the shenanigans and the reporting and then yeah, her it's you know about succumbing this- to him at the end it's
1: Girl being like, okay, I want a nice himbo to settle down with but then when it comes time to it, she's like I'm sorry
0: to this himbo. I, you know she's like, I'm a girl boss. I can't I just, you can't break me you know, I'm gonna go girl boss I'm gonna go lean in. You can't break a girl and I'm gonna keep doing that. Sorry Ralph Bellamy, you're kind of boring, not really into that gotta go. He's He's just
1: truly like the biggest little himbo like he's just like he doesn't really know what's happening. He is getting scammed at every level. Constantly. <laughs> constantly getting scammed. And he has, like, such a big heart, you know? Like, he's like, oh, he's not as bad as you made him out to be, Hildy. Look, he's doing all this insurance stuff.
0: And I'm just like, oh, you sweet summer child. Oh, He has no baby. idea. Absolutely no he has clue. no idea. And Cary Grant, of course, is the one doing all the scamming. Constantly Constantly scamming, constantly scamming. He is, is gaslight gatekeeping, girl bossing. He, oh, all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's why they're meant to be because they're both oh gaslight so gatekeeping true. and girl bossing in the best way. Yeah.
1: And carrie Grant, Ralph Bellamy, and Rosalind Russell are all so good and play off yeah. of each other so well. And I know that like Rosalind Russell was like not even close to the first choice. Oh, my choice God. Was, right? Yeah. Like, Borrowed from MGM after a million people turned it down, passed, whatever. And She was, like, very stressed about it. And I'm like, but, girl, you're so good. Yeah.
0: And she also had this sense that, like, Howard Hawks didn't really respect her as much because she was, like, the 11th choice or something like that. Like, she was really far down on the list. And so she gave him attitude back, and that was kind of, you know their yeah. relationship working on this like so originally Jean arthur was the first choice which i think Jean arthur would have been great i really like totally arthur. she she totally Same. could have done this she's amazing um as i've mentioned before my favorite thing about her is that she had a good side her left side so they would build entire sets around that fact which so they could shoot her and i'm obsessed with that um they also considered carol lombard who I love in my man, Godfrey. She's great. Margaret Sullivan, Ginger Rogers Claudette Colbert, Irene Dunn. Irene Dunn also was in the awful truth with Cary Grant. Um, and then Joan Crawford was also considered at some point, which I don't know if I can't see her in this, but that's just me. It's just like, Uh,
1: that's a strange one. And Irene Dunn said that like, the part was too small. She was like, you gotta rewrite this. Yes.
0: She did Um, end up regretting it later, though. Yeah,
1: and so did Ginger Rogers when she found out Cary Grant was cast, which I respect because...
0: (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want to look at Cary Grant, you know?
1: Who doesn't? And then Gene Arthur was, like, suspended by the studio when she didn't take it, which I think is so interesting.
0: Yeah. Wow, the disrespect unto my girl, you know?
1: And then they were like, yeah, I guess we'll take this girl from MGM. Rosalind Russell. And so she was like very self-conscious and very like, can I do this? She showed
0: up to the audition with wet hair from swimming. Cause she was Just so over it. She was like, Fuck you. I deserve time to- I deserve your time and your respect. Thank you very much. And you know what? I love that for her. Um apparently though she did find She did end up finding out that all of the other actresses had turned it down because she was like on a train to New York and read the paper. And it was like, Rosalind Russell has been cast in His Girl Friday. Also, here are the 11 other actresses that they tried to cast first.
1: I would would have jumped off the
0: train. (laughs) Like, hello? I gotta go. Goodbye. I gotta go. (laughs) It was a pass away at this moment. (laughs) Honestly, though, it's kind of wild that they all turned it down because I... Like watching it, like on the screen, it is kind of like bewildering to think yeah. that they all read that and they're like, "No, I'm not into that." I
1: was like, "This script is like incredible, right?" Like it, it is like the fastest-paced dialogue. Like it's almost triple normal movies, and it's like so witty and fun. And there's so much to like work with that I'm like so surprised that they all turned it down.
0: And not only that. Howard Hawks allowed for so much improvisation while filming, like just let them go. Like there was even this like little tidbit about how she felt like at times, like she wasn't getting as many good lines as Cary Grant. So she hired this, this guy, this like writer, this advertisement writer um, through her (laughs) brother-in-law and he wrote her lines out. And so then she would just like, like say them when they were supposed to be ad-libbing or whatever. Um, and, like, in the moment, and Howard Hawks didn't notice, obviously, because, like, he's like, oh, yeah, she's just ad-libbing, whatever. Yeah. And apparently, Cary Grant ended up noticing at some point and, like, would ask her in the morning, like, what do you, what do you have today? You know, like, what's next, which I love. I think that's it's very so cute. It's so good.
1: Yeah, they, like, I feel like their relationship was, like, very, like, bounced back and forth. And I think that that's why, like, every scene in this movie works perfectly. Mm -hmm. because they do have that like little banter back and forth like in real life as well they have
0: they have really great chemistry like to the point where when you're introduced to them immediately at least on my watch although I know how your brain works you probably had the exact same thought like when you watch it for the first time you're like oh why did they get divorced like yeah he's kind of like an asshole but like they're hot like there's something there there's chemistry don't you
1: don't you want to have the fun banter
0: like I don't know don't you want it?
1: <laughs> and <laughs> and I guess in the end
0: she they, does Yeah. She she decides to to board that train. <laughs> Not the one to Buffalo. Oh. No. Albany. Sorry, Albany. <laughs> I knew it was New York.
1: Close. <laughs> it was also fun. Um, I think that it's absolutely insane that this film is in the public domain because the original <laughs> copyright owner did not renew the copyrights. Uh, the play, That's- like that it's based on, is still under copyright, but this movie is not.
0: That's one of my favorite things. Is anytime something like this falls through the cracks in terms of copyright, and then it's just yeah. available while like widely. Yeah, <laughs> like The Great Gatsby, like is now in the public domain. Yes, so you can just write. You can ju- like so. You can be like that one person who literally just took the entirety of the great Gatsby and put it on an archive of her own and changed literally like one thing where it was like so. Ga- so Gatsby would kiss a man or something, or Nick yes. Would kiss and a
1: then man. there was one who put it, um, that gritty, like the yeah. <laughs> NHL mascot was Gatsby, yeah,
0: Iconic. which I think is an inspired, um, inspired use choice. of the um, gritty
1: can play the, um, like um sheriff or somebody in his girl Friday. Let's get this reboot. Let's go.
0: Yeah, no, like I really enjoyed this movie. I also watched it for the first time during the pandemic. Um probably because it was on Criterion Channel or something. Yes. Um but it it's it really holds up. It's really excellent. I mean, to begin with, the most amazing thing about this is like the overlapping dialogue obviously. Like and that wasn't a thing we already talked about that, but Howard Hawks like it had only been done once and it was um for the movie Stage Door. And basically the idea was that, you know, he's thinking about it and he's thinking about the play and like, and all of this other stuff. And it's like, well, and and in how we talk in real life. And it's like, when we talk in real life, we overlap each other as we do many times on this podcast. Yeah. We talk over each other, you know, it's not just this clean, you know, I talk, you talk, I talk, pause, you talk. Like it's, it's messy. It's, yeah. it's not as clean You know, Um, and that's the thing I think also that a lot that's often a barrier for older movies is that they don't necessarily always reflect real life in a way that like movies that are made like after 1969 kind of are, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, a, a lot of movies from the older period of Hollywood it's like so much of it is very stagey in a way you know it's very static there's not a lot of camera movement it's very you know oh here's a wide shot and the actors walk in and they talk to each other and then okay maybe a slight camera change you know it's like it's not super super dynamic sometimes and so I think that's like definitely a barrier for a lot of people when they're like I find old movies boring because it's there's a lack of dynamics to it right and so introducing this into the equation is really interesting. And it really changes the way that movies are made and the way that we think about movies. Um, and, and I think if someone is like having a hard time with older movies, I would definitely recommend to watch this one because of that 100%. element for sure. Yeah, because if I think like it, black it adds and white time.
1: movies are like, you're like, Oh, I'm like, I don't really do old movies. I don't do black and white. I think that this transcends like everything about the visuals yeah, And I think is a good, like, first. There's no barrier to entry here.
0: Yeah, I, I would say definitely this movie and, like, Psycho, I think, are two, two definite, like, big, like, black and white movies I would show to somebody who, like, maybe hasn't watched them before. But, yeah, and then, like, watching this, it's so funny, too, because, like, I, I guess consciously at first I didn't really think about it. But I was like, oh, like, yeah, this isn't really done in older movies. Like, this isn't how they typically tend to do things dialogue wise. No. So I found it really interesting. Um and then it just immediately reminded me, of course, of like Uncut Gems, um, yes. where everybody is constantly talking over each other and it's very chaotic and it has that energy to it, you know, this like chaos, this tension. There's so much happening at once, um, and can be occasionally unpredictable. And this movie has a lot of those things. So I definitely think this is probably an influence for the Safdie brothers, at least in regards so, to how sure. they do sound. Um You know, and obviously, like, movies do overlap in dialogue, too, but, like, this movie has so much of it, and it's so fast-paced that it has such a specific style to it that a lot of other movies, you know, after this don't have.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, like, Quentin Tarantino, this is, like, on his list of, like, his 10 favorite movies, right? Like, it's... Yeah. This movie is, like, very much, like, such a cornerstone in film development that, like more than we even realize is, like, influenced by his girlfriend.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's really hilarious. It still holds up. There's so many great lines. Oh, Um, it's so fucking funny. Yeah. And and the direction, obviously, is so important because, obviously, the script's great. But allowing them to ad-lib in the way that they did allows for, you know, the actors to just have this room to do whatever they need to do, whatever they want to do. And it really allows them to just play on the situation and to add to it and and to make you know an already great script even more interesting and engaging and and fun to watch and and it's really fun to just watch Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell just like go for it it's it's great and like we said before they have great chemistry so it's like really fun to get to see the two of them just like I love watching them
1: yeah like everything like when he like she first comes in and he's like getting his like barber is out there and then he like beckons her to sit on his lap I'm like I'm in I am in from that moment on I'm invested I love them
0: I also love when she says um because like I think Bruce was like said something to the effect of like oh he doesn't seem so bad she's like you know something about like his charm or whatever and she goes he comes by it naturally his grandfather was a snake yeah it's so good I also like, there's this very early line as well. Um, How many places to fish are there? Because they're like looking for somebody. Um, at least two: the Atlantic and the Pacific. <laughs> that was just like, it was like so such, a, such a grandpa kind of a line. And I thought it was a little funny shit when I first watched this. It's, it's really great. Um, and the movie really lets you know from like moment one, this is exactly what it is. Like there's going to be shenanigans, tomfoolery you know, there's it's so funny, a lot happening.
1: (laughs) I love a screwball comedy. It just like brings me joy. Like there's something so like comforting about watching people just like absolutely lose their shit in like a very funny way that just like makes my soul happy.
0: Yeah. And Cary Grant in particular, you know, is one of the best at that. I think like he really, obviously he had dramatic roles, you know, North by Northwest, things like that, but he really shines in 100%. comedic roles, you know, and I mean, that's the majority think, of the stuff I've watched him in, and he's so I good. I would
1: love to go back and like think about how many of my blessed movie of the week have been like Cary Grant comedies because I've been watching a lot of them, but they're, he he's so good. Like, they filmed this movie like right after like Only Angels Have Wings, which mm-hmm. I, I know I talked about because I said he has Han Solo energy. <laughs> ha ha, yeah. And like, it's just like, every time you watch like a Cary Grant rom-com, you just like know you're in for like a fun time.
0: Yeah, cause he in particular, you know, he's really great in using his entire body to deliver comedy, oh so it's God. not just his voice, but it's like, he oh, he'll just like arch an eyebrow and you're like, wow, this is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my entire life, are you kidding me? Like even down to when he like tells the mother-in-law to get out and that's like that iconic gif which i think we probably mentioned like, like more of the earliest episodes of. i think show. so too like i, I think it was referencing yeah. it very distinctly um like just even in that moment you're like oh this guy right here he's a clown he's a ham he's cutting up and you love it you're hooting yeah, and hollering it's... the entire time you're having a great time and yes. he's so good at that you know and it, and, and it also really works Um, So beautifully kind of against just how like, how tall and gorgeous and like deep voiced he is. You know, he has a very, you know, very traditionally very handsome and suave image, um, which is very much his thing. Um, And, you know, made him one of the biggest stars in the world because of that, you know, it's like he really had such a distinct you know, handsome, charismatic image. And then it's like, it's amplified with the fact that, oh, he's funny. Like this hot guy that we really like is funny. And he's like a cool guy. We're into that, you know?
1: It's, it's just like so pleasant to watch. And I think that Ralph Bellamy also has like a very similar energy in like a little different way. Like his is more of like a golden retriever-esque. Like he really (laughs) is like the embodiment of a golden retriever. And that's why I think, like this movie, oh, it's just so good because everyone in it, like understands the assignment. They're there to, like, just have a fun time and like, deliver all these incredible lines to us. And they do it so well.
0: And the way that they play off each other, too, is really interesting because it's like, Cary Grant's character Walter always has the upper hand in every single situation he has with Bruce where he's constantly like conning him he's constantly tricking him to get him into jail because he's trying to get him away from Hildy he's trying to get her back so it's like the easiest way to do that is to scam him and that's all he does for half the movie is scam people like it's a constant thing and then you know Ralph Bellamy very much it's just like Oh like oh I yeah, oh, I don't know what I'm, I'm doing. No, I'm no. in jail again. Oh man, I'm in jail. Oh, Hilda, we have to be out of here. You know, it's like very very kind of dopey, very bland. Um you feel bad for him though because he's constantly, you know, getting the wool pulled over his eyes, constantly just Yeah, you feel bad for this duped. poor
1: little himbo who just
0: like He's just there and she wants just- to get married. And like it's so great because you really need Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell to have such amazing chemistry. And you really need them to work because he's kind of really despicable. And then her actions aren't always the greatest, you know, near the end where she's kind of brushing him off, whatever. Um but like you need them to work really well to be able to then be like, oh yeah, like fuck Bruce. Like we don't care about Bruce. Like he's in, yeah. he's in jail right now, I don't care. I just want Hildy and Walter to get together. Like that that's the only thing you care about, you know? You want that to happen. So they have to be really strong. The writing has to be really strong as well. And like they make you believe and buy into their relationship. Like you really do want her to like, shun this life of domesticity, which is like the whole thing. The whole reason why she is brought into the story is because it's like, yeah, I'm getting out of the newspaper game. I'm going to go be a wife. I'm going to go be a mom, whatever. And of course everyone is like, that is completely against your nature. That's not who you are. She's like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove you all wrong. I'm going to become a housewife. Life's great. I've I'm done. I've had enough. And then, of course, she immediately gets sucked back in because she
1: loves it more than anything. Charles' letter said, What if women can have it all? And I said, Rosalind Russell can, that's for damn sure.
0: He was pro girl boss. Okay. He was pro girl boss. He really was. (laughs) He's telling us all to lean in.
1: Yeah. And everyone, like, The second she walks into the newsroom, like, you see how many people love her. Everyone is so excited to see her. They're, like, the happiest people around her. And she just is a good person who's good at her job. And I just want the best for her always.
0: Yeah. And, like, they're all taking bets. Like, how long is Hildy going to last? Like, really, how long is it going to take her to, like, give it all up, right, and come back? Um, They don't even believe that she, like, genuinely wants to leave because they just... It's just not yeah. who she is, you know, and she's too good and she cares too much. Um, which I love. And I love that this movie really like it's kind of a bizarre world that it's like, actually, you know what? Women really, you know, they don't have to settle down. They can have a job that they really care about and are good at and like dominate, yeah. especially in the context of a newsroom where, you know, it was very much male dominated. It still can be very male dominated. Sure. Um, And women often aren't given the fair chance that they deserve. Um, And and, and particularly in this time period to think that like changing the gender of the main, one of the main characters completely shifts the dynamic between the two leads. It completely changes the dynamic of the story. It really changes so much about it, but it works so well and creates this really interesting sort of study, you know, this idea of like, you know, women, being good at their jobs, giving up domestic life because that's what they care about. That's the thing that they're passionate about, you know, shunning it all and saying, no, that's not my, that's not my passion in life. That's not what I care about. You know, I am good at this. I know I'm good at it and I care about it and I'm going to do everything I can to keep this job down to even like having a moment where she's like bribing people (laughs) to get information.
1: So good. She's, she, is like i am using this 500 dollars, all this money that we have left but it's important to me to get this story and like i will contact walter and he'll give me the money right and then he's like obviously scamming because he's like
0: counterfeit money (laughs) a scam
1: is a scam is a scam
0: yeah you gotta scam before you get scammed really um yeah and like even like the censors were like um, I don't know about the scamming like we can't have a woman scamming or whatever like apparently that was a whole thing and Howard Hawks did some convoluted thing to basically like argue that like no you know, she's not like it's not immoral you know she's like trying to like save a man in prison who like doesn't deserve to be there or whatever like he did like a whole thing to like really get around it which I found very funny but like to the point where they were like we cannot have Hildy yeah. raping people this is this is unjust, you know? And it's so funny, because now it's like, that's small potatoes. It's like, oh, somebody bribed somebody in a movie. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Okay, girl boss. Literally. Like, <laughs>
1: you know, Literally. And all of, like, there's so many, like, small physical comedy moments in this. And, like, I love the sequence when um, <laughs> he's, like, in the desk and, like, all of these hijinks are ensuing. Yeah. And it just... <laughs> it brings me so much joy she is like trying so hard to just be like i'm i'm here and being a girl boss what did you think i'm like everything with bruce's mom oh my god oh my god
0: that's like in general what's so interesting too about the story is that um how it builds so much it's just constantly building it's just constantly chaotic it's like because you have obviously Hilda getting pulled in so that's like incident one and then it's like okay then um Walter scamming Bruce the first time. And then it's like, he gets scammed again. And then he gets scammed again, but it's also like, oh yeah, there's also like an execution that's about to happen. Also guess what? Like he escapes, (laughs) he's holding people at gunpoint. Molly Malloy jumps out a window. Um, The mother-in-law shows up. Also she gets into a car accident. We don't know if she dies or not. Like it's like constantly happening. And then it's like, oh yeah, like the mayor and, and, um. The uh, the sheriff or, like, they're blackmailing people, you know, trying to get votes and stuff um, by having this execution. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, guess what? We're not going to let you blackmail. And then they get together at the end. Like, it's, like, constantly happening, yeah. constantly building. Um, it's, like, truly – so funny just how everything that could possibly go wrong or could ho- possibly happen in this situation just happens but it doesn't feel ridiculous like in a bad way it's no, ridiculous not at in a all. very funny way like it really adds to the energy because of how fast-paced the dialogue is how like yeah. high energy it all is it like it makes sense that all of this stuff is happening and what's even funnier is you don't get a resolution to like half of it but you no. don't
1: care no you don't at all like it's it that is you're living in this movie and okay okay i don't need that i don't need answers to those questions and like one of my favorite moments is like when they're at like the press room and she is like typing away furiously and like Mm -hmm. bruce comes in and is like are you coming on this train like asking all these questions and he's like don't distract her and she's like angry with him and then it's like minutes later when they're like where did Bruce go? And he's yeah, like, they don't care. He's out. Yeah.
0: And it's so funny because like all of this is so heightened, but it's like, it could be so easy for this movie to be a complete mess. It could be so easy for it to just fall apart, for it to yeah. be unwatchable. Like, cause you have the dialogue happening. You have the comedy of error situations happening. You have like just these raising stakes constantly going on. And it, it could be so easy to like have a director who like, doesn't know how to reel in you know, yeah, really line here.
1: Same with, like, editing. Like, if this movie had a bad editor, like, it would be a complete disaster. Like, yeah. every cut is, like, so perfectly timed. It all makes sense. And it really, like, connects everything together.
0: Yeah, it's, it's incredibly dynamic. It's operating on so many different levels. Like, there's so much going on. Um, but you never feel that way. I also like really like that there are moments of tension as well, because I mean, to begin with when the big reveal of like Earl Williams and the desk like actually happens, I'm um, in front of everybody. It's like this very tense moment. Um, everybody starts running, everybody starts freaking out, like there's so much going on um, and and they're able to do that really well. There's also like when Hilde is first sort of held up by him and he accidentally shoots a pigeon And then like freaks out and then she has to tell him to get in the desk. Like there are like genuine moments of tension um, as well. And it it really balances all of that as well (laughs) as it does, you know, all of the elements of the story, all of the dialogue, all the actors, like it really manages to pull off just a very refined final product, which like we said, any other director, any other editor, any other, anything, like this movie just would not have the kind of, Hundred percent footprint that it has now culturally.
1: Yeah, it like this movie has staying power. Like the fact that I've seen it three times in a year and like every single time I've watched it, I am laughing out loud. I am having a good time. I'm like, yeah, this is a five-star movie. I I wouldn't there's nothing I would change about it.
0: Yeah. And what's really interesting too is that like originally um, Charles Letterer wrote three drafts of the screenplay. Um, the first draft, um, compared to you know the final draft, is is there's a stark difference in some ways. Um, so, like to begin with, Hildy was originally more submissive, um, and then ended up transforming Bruce from a bully-like character into the kind of submissive like. Oh, like kind of dopey guy that he ends up being um there also was a scene from a divorce court in the beginning um that would have indicated that walter and hildy had been married (laughs) three times which which i'm glad they took that out because i would have watched this and been like girl no don't do it please don't i'm begging you you know um and then All three of the drafts ended up ending differently. So like in the first, Walter fakes an accident, um, which prompts Hildy to like declare her love. I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because that'd be like a real scumbum kind of a move, you know? Yeah, I like that. And then the second ends as the original stage version had um, with Walter letting Hildy leave, then having her arrested, um, which I think would work better with men involved rather than the main character now being a woman. I think it would have had a different dynamic completely in this case, and I don't think it would have worked. Um, Yeah. And then the shooting script is the only one that ends with him letting her go with his blessing, and then that convinces her to stay. Um, And apparently there was a wedding scene um, written at the script, but they didn't end up filming it, which I'm fine with, you know, because I think it's more interesting that they have this conversation at the very end where it's like she's all emotional, and normally, you know, she it would be oh she's emotional because she's torn up about it, you know, yes. like oh I don't know what to do. no she's like I was really afraid you were like gonna let me go without a fight like <laughs> I know like thought you would just she let just, me just leave. wants like, to like be wanted
1: in the way that she has like envisioned, and I love it.
0: Because he spent so much of the movie fighting for her, you know, really like going for her. I mean, he's the one that like mucked up the court proceedings, like really dragging out their divorce. Um, he's the one that, you know, calls her in and like really like kind of helps to incite the situations that really gets her really, really pulled in. He's constantly kind of firing her up about the job, being like, oh, you're gonna be this top level reporter. You're gonna get basically a promotion if you do the story. This is gonna change your career forever. Like really is the one always talking her up, always kind of trying to drag her in. And so at the end when it's like, oh, I gotta let you go. It's kind of this moment of clarity for her. Like, "Like, oh, he does care. But like, he also was like, he cared enough to let me go. So now I'm going to go back to him. And it's not only that, but it's also this really interesting thing too of like, that happens and you're like, oh, a happy ending. And then it's like, oh, the honeymoon thing comes up where it's like, oh, we could do a real honeymoon, you know, Niagara Falls. But then it's like, actually, no, we would have to do it in, in Albany because of the story. And then he leaves in front of her and she has to carry the suitcase. And it literally, and that's talked about in the beginning of the movie that the reason why the relationship didn't work is because he always treated her like an errand boy. They didn't have a real honeymoon. Like they were constant like he was constantly just working, yes. like married to his work, cared cared more about yeah. the work than her. And it's like this whole cycle's gonna repeat over again. Yeah, and they're like destined to be with each other because they cannot get rid of each other, like no matter how much they try.
1: Which I think is like really cute and special. And I love that. <laughs> I don't know. Brings
0: me hope. They're both workaholics. They're both married to their work. And like, they both are kind of on each other's level. Like, it makes sense as to why they would keep doing that. And it makes sense why in the original draft, it's like, yeah, they've been married and divorced like three times. They both just have like such a sense of dedication to their job that only the other one can understand. Yeah, it's like
1: this like deep-seated like understanding of each other at like a very, very personal level.
0: Yeah. And he also knows that that's the one thing to win her back is to drag her in get her all fired up about this story and you know both in the sense that like that's what she loves to do and also in the sense that like yeah it gets her away from from bruce so it's kind of easier to pry her pry her away from yeah him.
1: and you're like you know what bruce is better off without Hildy because she would end up resenting him she would yeah. end up coming back like it it was never going to work. Also, her mother-in-law really hated her. So Evil.
0: Yeah, I mean, and considering she gets into a car accident, we don't know if she lived or died for a little bit there. Like, not surprising.
1: Just incredible.
0: Literally gets carried out, like, out of the scene and just never be seen again. Um, yeah, no. Um, like, just in general, he just does not operate on the same level intellectually as they, they both do, you no. know? it creates a very specific you know at least in this world you really believe that like it really takes a very certain kind of person to be in a newsroom like this it really takes like someone with a lot of drive someone who like gives yeah maybe too much of a shit, you know and and he's very much just like a normal guy who you know maybe likes to you know watch sports or you know hang out like he really doesn't he doesn't seem like a particularly you know intellectual or particularly like super super driven kind of a guy. He's just like, I just want to, you know, be a dude.
1: It's like the opposite of like Carrie Grant, like she like tells him that he's like wonderful in like a loathsome type of way, right? Yes. Like they have to have like a little there's a little something there. Also, one of my favorite moments is when it is revealed uh that he got the airplane to write <laughs> during their divorce. Just really incredible. Yeah. Um I I love you too. I just think it's so fun. Um, when he's like, we've got something between us that nothing can change, it's true. Meant they were meant to be.
0: And what's so interesting too is that like along with like the stuff about like shunning domesticity or whatever, it's like obviously having a job like this isn't particularly the most like feminine thing, or at least at the time wasn't seen as like the super feminine thing. But I love that she's like shown that she's able to get on his level. I mean, like the bribing and stuff like that is, as we said, you know, not particularly like becoming of a lady. Um, But also at the same time, she's not exactly like him. You know, she has the sense of empathy, um, which is really great and makes her – so interesting you know it's like makes her feel like a real person and uh, it makes her very likable because she's able to you know bribe somebody one second um for the greater good and then she's also able to turn around and um you know have empathy for the people that she's you know doing the story on so like when Molly Malloy comes in and is all upset because of like All of these men in the newsroom have written these stories about her that, you know, make it seem like she's Earl Williams' girlfriend. Um, When really she's like, no, he was just kind to me. You know, he was very nice to me. Um, This man that's about to be put to death is, you know, not a bad person. Um, We really... You know we just shared a connection you know a human moment you know nothing romantic and they saw that and were like let's make a salacious story out of this and then wrote this whole yarn about how you know oh they were in a romantic relationship and for her that really ruined her life you know it really made her upset and hilde is like you know like really you know comes to her aid and cares about her and she respects yeah. her and that sets her apart as well and it also is what makes right. her such a good journalist is that she does give a shit. she, she cares that caring streak in her and that is what makes a good reporter is that you want to get the story obviously but you also want to do it in a way that has empathy for the subjects and really does care you know like that's 100% that's really her part and makes her so great
1: and that's why you're like rooting for her for the whole movie because you can just tell that she like approaches her work and her life with like such care and integrity and you're just like yeah I want her to win
0: yeah And, you know, in a way she does win, in a way she also kind of loses. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Girl bosses
1: can't have it all, maybe. Um,
0: Do we kind of want to go through the summary just a little bit? Because I feel like maybe this is a movie not everyone has seen. And I think we can add on commentary as we go, obviously. Let's see. So, to begin with, How this movie starts, Walter Burns, played by Cary Grant, of course, is an editor for the Morning Post. Um, He ends up learning that his ex-wife, former star reporter, Hildegard Johnson, um, is about to marry a man who works in the insurance business um, named Bruce Baldwin, played by Ralph Bellamy. Yes. And they're going to settle down in Albany. That's kind of the whole thing. Um, And basically entices her in um to cover one last story which would be over the upcoming execution of earl williams played by john quailen uh, a shy bookkeeper convicted of murdering a policeman and to begin with i really love just the way that they are able to sort of set up the relationship between the two of them you immediately get this sense of like okay i know why the relationship doesn't work but also like. Yeah. I now have a reason to root for them.
1: It's, yeah, because they're doing a good thing, right? Like, they're the good guys. Like, they're they're trying to, like, save this man. They're trying to be good people.
0: And, like, you understand, like, he's kind of a cad. She, you know, wasn't into that. She didn't like being treated like, you know, um, a peon, essentially. Um, yeah. in their relationship and it's you understand like okay why a woman like this would be like okay i just want to like go in the completely opposite direction because it's like the other way didn't work so well so maybe if i go complete opposite end of the spectrum with a man who's just very nice kind of boring and i settle down like maybe my life will be a little bit better right and it's the societal expectation at the time that women right like
1: she is not the norm she is like working she has a salary this is not what like normal women quote unquote did in 1940 hello
0: nope and instinctually when she finds out about the earl williams case she immediately is kind of like oh maybe i'll push my um my train ticket back you know like very kind of reluctant to leave after that more
1: trains
0: There's there's more time it's fine like oh we'll be done it won't take that long, right? Um, immediately showing like, okay, maybe I can, you know, do the thing that I like one last time, one last little job, and then I'll get to be this new woman.
1: Right. It's like just a little last taste. Like I just, I just want to go sample this one more time. One more
0: little bite from the Sam's sample day platter, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. One little bite. And I'll be good. I won't need to do this anymore. I'll, you know, I'll be cured of it. Right. And um, Walter ends up taking Hildy and and Bruce to join him for lunch. Um, And it's at this lunch that Hildy insists that she and Bruce are going to be leaving in two hours to take a night train to Albany um, to be married the following day. And, of course, there's this great scene where they're talking and... Every time he says something wrong or something that she doesn't like about the relationship that's maybe a little too revealing or whatever, she's like stomping on Cary Grant's foot, right? And then my favorite gag in that scene, of course, is she does it when the waiter comes over and the waiter's like, ouch. It's so funny. It's so good. It's the most baseline level physical comedy, but it works. And it
1: works. And like the waiter is so funny. And then Cary Grant is like... I got to, how do I scam this? I got to get, he like spills water on himself. Yeah. Gets the waiter to clean up and is like, I need you to say there's a call for me. Like yeah. I, you got to do this. And the levels to the scams are just so it's good. Great. His
0: mind is just operating in so many dimensions at once. He, he's on that, you know, that
1: meme, the meme, the head meme. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Galaxy yeah, brain
0: yes thank you yeah very that <laughs> he is galaxy brand and this is of course where he like attempts to convince bruce that Hildy's the only one who can write this story to save a wrongly convicted man um and also at this point Hildy eventually agrees on the condition that walter buys a hundred thousand dollars life insurance policy from bruce in order to receive the thousand dollar commission. Um, so she's like, okay, yeah, like we'll do this fine as long as my boyfriend gets to make some money off this. Also, it's just funny that $100,000 is there because all I can think about is that, that that is the cash prize winning for RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> um, RuPaul yeah. is fracking. Let's just put it out there.
1: I wish that Hildy would cover
0: RuPaul's fracking. <gasps> she would blow the top off of that. I'm going to start writing a sequel right now. I don't <laughs> care how good it is or how bad it is. It's just going to be up. Hildy trying to break... Trying to stop RuPaul's drag race.
1: Throw it up on ao 3
0: <laughs> Honestly. And then when it blows up, I will make a movie off of it. Just like Hell yeah. whoever wrote after did. Whoever wrote yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey did. Yale James. I don't know who wrote after that. I have no idea. A person. A person. Um, can you believe that they changed so like the name when she had to change the names, right? From Harry, Harry the Harden. Harden. That's horrible. It's the worst name ever in my life.
1: Harden. <laughs> that's
0: yes, this a horrible is my name. boyfriend. Harden. First of all, how old is this man? Is he 87 years old? In college, was I he, believe. Which Was is he an extra in his Girl Friday? Like, that's the kind of name that is. I don't like that at all. Also, the implication of having the name Harden in a movie is based off a of fan fiction. pardon think about it
1: the the international
0: (laughs) implication
1: i actually think it might violate the janina geneva janina (laughs) i
0: I think janina is gonna be on uh season 14 Ah. of rebel's Drag race this is
1: fucking stupid holy shit i hate myself i hate myself so much holy shit
0: um but so hildy of course after accepting this agreement these terms and um, Walter doing some scamming um, regarding Bruce uh, ends up bribing the jail warden to let her interview Earl Williams because she's a girl boss. And he ends up explaining that he shot the police officer by accident. And she uses economic theory to explain the murder, you know, as to why he would have done this. Um, to Williams, insisting that he shot the gun because of production use, which I, production for you, sorry, which I still do not understand.
1: No. Went I'm, I'm, my head. Yeah, I'm not smart enough for that.
0: Like Well established. Like, people are always like, you need to read theory. You need to do this. I'm like, I'm too dumb to read theory. Thank you very much. Just yeah, tell me, like, you know, like, the explain, like, i five subreddit. Like, that's what I need here. Yes, 100%. Production for use is a phrase referring to the principle of economic organization and production taken as a defining criterion for a socialist economy. Okay. So far, so good. It is held in contrast to production for profit. The criterion is used to distinguish socialism from capitalism and was one of the fundamental defining characteristics of socialism initially shared by Marxian Marxian (laughs) socialist evolutionary socialist. The Marxist
1: starring Ben Affleck?
0: Wait, it's Matt (laughs) Damon. And then not Damon. Oh, No. We are the two dumbest bitches podcasting today. I can tell you that. Proof. (laughs) Social anarchists and Christian socialists. Their principle is broad and can refer to an array of different configurations that vary based on the underlying theory of economics employed in its classic definition, production for use, implied an economic system whereby the law of value and law of accumulation no longer directed economic activity, whereby a direct measure of utility and value is used in place of the abstractions of the price system, money, capital, alternative conceptions. Of socialism don't that don't utilize the profit system such as the Lang model, um, involve the use of a price system in monetary calculation. Like my brain is like no I don't know what it I, I, I I could sit here and if I really tried I could probably understand it but it's like I don't want to I, yeah I don't want to have to think that hard I'm really dumb I I did enough thinking for all the years I was in school okay Same. don't ask me to. <laughs> Just like hiccup. Don't ask me to think anymore. (laughs) My body literally revolted and was like, yeah, don't This is a
1: mess. We are messy. Woo.
0: But yeah, so um, and then of course we see Molly Malloy for the first time. She's coming in to confront all the reporters. Um, you know, basically being like, the way that you wrote about me was incredibly insensitive, disrespectful, and salacious. Um, Earl was nice to me, treated me kindly, et cetera, et cetera. Um And there's this moment that I really like, though. It's like after she's chewed them all out. And of course, they're like, calm down, meh, meh, meh. And she's like, I'm not going to fucking calm down. You know, you ruined my life, right? Um, And they all get silent, you know, um, when Hildy takes Molly out of the room to try and calm her down. And it's like this moment of like, they realize what they've done to her and like the power that they held in that moment when they wrote those stories about her and like how damaging they are you know, because oftentimes you have to think like these men are probably like writing these stories, not giving a shit. And then like, they never are confronted about them. So it's like this one moment, this woman gets to have this moment to like say her truth and be like, yeah, you know what? This was really disrespectful. And this really like hurt me. And you should have to listen to me to hear what I have to say and just see how your stories can affect people. That I really liked. I like that there is that moment of reflection from them, even though they don't really, you know, apologize. It's, but it's it's a good moment to show yeah it's a good little emotional beat um this movie in general is surprisingly very sensitive to these kind of things which once again i'm shocked at
1: right like the emotional intelligence that this movie has especially for like being made in 1940 is really impressive
0: yeah um and then of course we get some more Walter scamming. Um, he, like, ends up setting up and accusing Bruce of stealing a watch, uh, which forces Hildy to bail him out of jail. Um, also, like, in the beginning, it's kind of wild that, like, Hildy doesn't immediately, like, connect the dots that it's, like, Walter yeah. doing this stuff. It's like, oh, how did that happen? Oh, I don't know. Maybe your little smarmy ex-husband.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's, like... I think at times I'm, like, is she, like, willfully just ignoring this? Yeah, Because like, she's just, like... Oh
0: do that
1: yeah you know wink <laughs> she's trying to convince herself that like oh no 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 no, and that's like okay but like you gotta think a little harder maybe
0: to quote jinx monsoon on season five of ruval's drag race delusion convince yourself
1: yes a season of drag race i did watch so a, a good, good
0: season of drag race yeah great time honestly this movie could have been a little bit better if there was a double wig reveal i'm just saying a la roxy andrews yeah whipping her hair back and forth (laughs) yeah against dallas edwards (laughs) but of course earl williams ends up escaping um and this is the moment where hildy really is like oh well now i'm fucking in it bitch (laughs) like really gets pulled in really is like committed to this story getting the scoop getting her little exclusive and she like and it's this moment where you're like yeah she's really fucking good at her job she's so good why would she ever give it up you know you understand it especially when you hear other people echoing like she's too good at this job you know how long is she gonna last outside of it blah 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 all of that stuff you know they're constantly taking bets on it um and and it's so great and my favorite scene too is like I mean first of all you have like everybody like this really fun chaotic scene where it's like you hear the gunshots and stuff like that too and it's yes. like, they're all running up to the phone and they're like saying stuff into the phone and yeah. then they like run out of the room and then there's another gunshot and then someone's running into the room like calling into the phone and like and it's, it's just so constant. stressful
1: yeah you're it's like so okay good. my heart rate is like up high like there's just too much happening very uncut yeah. gemsy
0: but it's also very funny. Like it really oh, hilarious. It, it manages to like really blend that moment of tension with like something very hilarious and very funny to watch. Yes. Um, and then like I love her like playing Frogger, like with the cars. You know that one moment where she's like trying to chase down the warden. And then Dude, she ends wait. up tackling him. Does Gen
1: Z know what Frogger is?
0: Good question. You can Google it. I guess you know what Crossy Road. They would know that.
1: I don't know what that is. I say is. as
0: if I'm not Gen Z, kind of. Like I'm like a, I'm a Zillennial. Is Zennial, Zennial, Zillennial? Yeah,
1: you're really cuspy.
0: Yeah. Because I was born in 96. And it, anytime you Google millennial Gen Wait. Z cutoffs, it's always 95 or 96 for either one. So I'm like- So I have right
1: your birth in. chart saved. Is your Pluto in um, Sagittarius or Scorpio?
0: My Pluto is um, on the Mickey Mouse Club. I can't. But she tackles the warden. um and it's very funny. She's trying to get the scoop in advance. Like that is that's her dedication that she was willing to body slam a man into the ground, which I really appreciate. fucking incredible. And then at some point, she ends up getting trapped into trapped in her office or trapped in the office at gunpoint by Earl Williams. And there's this great moment, of course, where you get, like, her talking on the phone to both Bruce and Walter at the same time. Oh my God. It's like, so good. It's so, so much good. Phone phone comedy in this <laughs> which like <laughs> in this movie.
1: It's just incredible. I love it. And she is like that is like the scene that I'm really like, holy shit, Rosalind Russell delivered because she is basically all alone in this moment and she is fucking doing the damn thing.
0: Yeah. Because you don't see either one of them. There's no cut to either Because there's a lot of no. phone scenes in this movie where you do not see the other person on the other end. Yeah. So you're only reacting to what the person is having to deliver. And that's really hard because it's like you don't have another person to help set a rhythm with you. Like you don't have someone else to feed off of. It's just you doing all of the work here. So like if you're off, you're off. You know, there's yeah. no resetting. It's like <laughs> – you really have to be a really good actor to sell that. And she managed to do that really well. And also in general, this movie really makes use of phones in a really well, like in a really good way to like help deliver the comedy, to help deliver exposition. It's a really smart use of the scene, of the setting that this movie takes place in um, that I really appreciate and makes it, you know, so different and sets it apart from a lot of other stuff.
1: It's genius.
0: And then like, of course, Molly ends up showing up again and you know, they get to talk. It's very sweet to, like, see her, like, really care about this man and to really, like, understand him and to know that he has at least two people on his side, Hildy and Molly. Um, like, she barely knows him, and she's willing to, you know, really, like, put this energy, you know, this kind energy out towards him, and and that's really great. And it's very genuine, and, and she really believes in him. And Hildy, of course, is sympathetic to both of them, which I really appreciate. That's great. She, like, understands you know, how, why Molly is, like, so sort of drawn towards him. Yes, um, he gets it. Yeah, and that's what makes her a great character. Um, And then, of course, at this point, the other reporters end up showing up, so Earl has to hide in this, like, (laughs) this desk with the roll top. It's
1: so good.
0: Also, another great use of, like, the setting, you know, with that desk. I love, like, at one point later when, like, Cary Grant... (laughs) like opens up the desk for a second and then like uses his hand to fan in like a minuscule amount of air yeah, and then shuts like, it. Is that going to help? I don't know, but it's just so funny. The way he does it is over and he just slams it shut right after that. Like he truly could not give less of a shit and it's so great. Um, And then like other reporters end up showing up and other, you know, cops end up showing up as well. And they're like surrounding the office And there's all this question of like, where is he? You know, are you hiding something, Hildy? You're acting kind of weird, you know? And then Hildy's mother-in-law, played by Alma Kruger, ends up showing up and she's like berating Hildy for the way she was treating Bruce. Um, And then Walter is removed by this character named Diamond (laughs) Louie, who he has also procured counterfeit money from to frame uh, Bruce. And... Like she like basically when she bribed the scoop, the whole thing was that, you know, oh, it's Bruce's money, it was $450, it's all we have. I need $450, right? Walter like calls up his little friend, Diamond Louie, who works in the office and is like, yeah I need $450 worth of counterfeit money. And my favorite is when he's like, I can't carry that much boss. And, and then he's like, well, I need some now for Hildy, whatever, and he's like, oh, I got that on me. <laughs> It's just like,
1: he, it's so good without missing a step. There's also, I love that like Cary Grant did the like one um, improvisation where he like references Ralph Bellamy's name. He's like, oh, he looks Mm -hmm. like Ralph
0: Bellamy. Like, it's just
1: so smart.
0: He also makes a reference um, to his own name because his original name is Archie Leach, which by the way, Archie Leach is also a really great. Movie star name, so I. It's kind of funny that he went with Cary Grant, which you know is a great name, but Archie name. is just as good, I think. Yes, agree. <laughs> um, although I don't know if he becomes the same kind of movie star if he is Archie Leach. No, very different. He's a character actor. Maybe he's a little bit more Jimmy Stewart, you know? Yeah. A little bit sometimes a little bit more goofier, maybe. Yeah. And then like also at this point like Molly. Um, who's being harassed for, you know, where Earl Williams is because they're all like, well, you're in a relationship with him, Earl. You really like him, so you must know where he is. And they're, of course, like, all taunting her and, like, trying to figure out where he is. Um, She gets so frustrated she uh, jumps out a window. which Which I have to tell you, I watched this on Pluto TV, and this is relevant because it has ads. So I'm watching this fucking movie. This scene happens. She jumps out the window, and literally the second she is, like, through the glass, a good RX ad popped up, and I screamed. I was like, Who the fuck placed this? <laughs> Truly upsetting.
1: Oh my god, that's incredible! They really wow, the
0: worst ad placement of all time. I could not believe it, it was absolutely absurd. <laughs> you want some drugs for a reasonable price from your pharmacist.
1: Hey, that's really funny.
0: But so she ends up jumping out the window and she ends up surviving, but there's a little bit of ambiguity as to how well she's doing because we don't see her after that point. Um, similar with the mother-in-law. We don't see her after she's like taken out and Carrie Grant's like, Get no. out, you know, you um, know, and Diamond Louie like whisks her away. Um, what ends up happening, of course, is that like she ends up getting into a car accident with Diamond Louie and they like run into a cop car or something you know, of course, like, Hildy's freaking out about that and feels bad about that. But, like, at the same time, there's very important, you know, gigantic fish to fry in this movie. Yeah. So we never get closure. But it's fine because it's not important anyway. She's just, you know, another complication in this plot. And and also at this point, Bruce shows up because he's bailed out of jail um, after acquiring money via a wire transfer. And he's like, where's my mom? And... <laughs> Hildy is like typing, you have Walter, you know, dictating what's going to be in the paper and like Bruce yelling at her and all of this stuff. Um, And clearly like Hildy wants to help Bruce out and all of this other stuff. But like, she's just so much more enticed by the big scoop. And that's kind of when you know, like this relationship is beyond repair. Yeah,
1: there's there's no saving this relationship. Like these are two people on a very different path. And like, it's just like, there's impossible.
0: Yeah, like, if she really cared, she would have done, you know, maybe half of the things she ends up doing in this movie. Like, she would have, you know, gotten as much as she can done, and then she would have bailed. Like, that would have been it. But no. hundred percent. Yeah. So, like, and, and of course, she's drawn in by the idea. This is when he's really talking her up, and he's like, oh, you you, you get this big scoop. It's going to change your life, blah, blah, blah. you be this top reporter. Yeah. And Bruce ends up leaving. And as we talked about, it's that thing of, like, oh, where'd Bruce go? And they're like, oh, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> Yeah,
1: she's too busy writing this incredible piece that is going to be life-changing for her. She doesn't care where Bruce goes. He's bothering her.
0: Meanwhile, all this is going on. You also have the storyline with the mayor and the sheriff. Um, The crooked mayor, played by Clarence Cole, he needs publicity from the execution um, in order to keep his job, as well as the sheriff's job, um, in the upcoming election. So there ends up being this messenger. He shows up. Played by Billy Gilbert, and he brings them a reprieve from the governor for Earl Williams. And the idea is that they're gonna bribe him so that he will leave and then come back later when it's too late um, for the reprieve. Um, but I what I love about this guy who they have playing (laughs) this courier is that first of all, just this whole his whole demeanor is excellent. He's so great. He's kind of bumbling, but he's like kind of goofy but he's very entertaining very funny um what i love is that when they're like yeah you'll we'll promote you we'll you know you can work here blah 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 you get all this money and he's like well i have kids in school and like if we move then they're not they're not gonna have any friends in their new school he's more concerned about changing school districts it's really It's just,
1: like, kind of, like, wholesome. Like, he just, like, is, like, this, like, nice family dude who just wants the
0: best for his fam. And this bumbling kind of guy ends up being, like, the big hero at the end there. Like, yeah. he's the one that really, like, cracks it wide open for them, really allows them to understand, like, oh, there's been blackmailing going on and, and bribery and all of this stuff, which I love. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's he's such a great, fun little character. I love that. Um, and, of course, they end up finding in time to save earl i um, from the gallows and they use this information to blackmail the mayor and the sheriff into dropping walter's arrest for kidnapping mrs baldwin because that was the thing that happened like he was framed at one point um, and now we're near the end of the movie and basically what happens is that hildy gets one last call from bruce who's again in jail because of having counterfeit money um that was unknowingly transferred to him by walter and she's sort of reminiscing about their old shenanigans together. And he's like, you know, you know what now get out of here before I change my mind. It hurts enough as it is, which is the exact line that he says. Um, And you're like, Oh, like, Oh, he cares about her. He's going to let her go. Oh, how cute, how romantic, right? Like fully in, in that moment. And I'm like, no, she can't go. Cary Grant. You got to keep her. No. Yeah. And, and, He also says, when you walk out that door, part of me will go with you, which is very great. A line. And he, like, genuinely wishes her well. Um, But he was mostly, like, the big reveal is that, like, he was mostly jealous because, like, Bruce was able to give her the life that she wanted, um, and he couldn't do that because he was too married to his work. That's all he cared about. And that's, of course, when you get this really great moment where Hildy breaks down and admits to Walter that she was afraid that he was going to let her marry Bruce without a fight. Um... And like, she's more upset about the idea of like him sending her away than like Bruce genuinely being locked up, which is very funny. Yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> she's
0: like, that guy in, in jail, I don't care.
1: Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck anymore. She's, no. They've got other things to do. They got, they got a mine in Albany to go look at, you know? Yeah.
0: And they're like so convincing that you're like, yeah, that is right. You're like, yeah, yeah. they should be together. Bruce that guy in jail i don't care like that you don't care like you don't care that this kind of despicable thing is happening like you're much more invested in their relationship which is so great um and of course like the because like this dude is like getting the short end of the stick i mean so many times in this movie i mean first of all between like being put in jail so many times but also then getting dumped at the end like you should feel bad for him and maybe you do a little bit but like your feelings of like triumph that Walter and Hildy get together at the end might be a little bit stronger, you know, at least if you're us, I don't know. Maybe other people have other opinions out there. But yeah. But this is what ours is. We we like that. We like that they get together, you know, because I love like, like, I love that this story is like lovers to enemies to lovers. Like I love that. I think it's great. Yes. It's, <laughs> adds which another is, dimension. There's
1: another, oh my God. I can't remember which
0: Cary Grant movie it is, fuck technically there's like three that are very similar to this because i wanted to bring this up so you have this movie which is they're divorced i gotta find out they fight and then they they get married again in the end philadelphia story they're like ex-husband and wife in the beginning of that yeah then they get married at the end um or they're back together at the end the awful truth that's They're divorced a, in the you. very beginning. It's the
1: awful truth. And
0: then they get together at the end as well. It happens in three separate movies that Carrie Grant specifically is in in a very close time period, which I find to be very funny. Yes. Especially like the, the Philadelphia awful- story, because that happens the same year as this.
1: Oh yeah, they did come out that, that's wild. I I love the awful truth because there's a really cute dog in it, first of all. Second of all, Irene Dunn and Cary Grant are very fun and there's like these, a lot of like hijinks ensue with like mm-hmm. doors and bedrooms
0: and yeah. sleeping and it's fun. Very great. And Irene Dunn kind of looks like Greta Garwig, which I yeah, think is very wow. interesting. A great, very distinct face. Sometimes I have problems with older actresses and older actors where I'm like, that looks like that and that's not the same person at all. Um It's harder to distinguish them because they're all in black and white. So you don't have hair color and things like that to really distinguish people. But yeah, um, she has a very distinct base that I really like. And I think it's very interesting. It's got a lot of character to it. But yeah, so like they end up deciding to get married and they're going to honeymoon. But of course, they have to compromise because of the story. Um, So they compromise in Albany and she has to carry her own luggage. And this whole thing will probably repeat later. But yeah. At the moment it's satisfying still it's still it's a fun ending it's it's still a comedic little beat at the end which i appreciate i wouldn't expect this movie to just like have a genuine heartfelt moment at the end and then just be done with it right
1: and it's just like you're like this feels so right for these characters like there's It would be, like, kind of weird if he was like, yes, let's go to Niagara Falls on this honeymoon and, like, have a good time. Love you. Like, let me carry all this for you. No, it makes total sense for them to end like this.
0: Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention, because I think my notes when they printed, the line got cut out somehow. Because sometimes Google Drive does that. But there's a line where she's, like, confronting him over the phone. And she's like, now listen here, you chimpanzee. And I fully lost it. I love that she like it's like the Aaron Brockovich moment where she's like going off about like how she knows the phone number and she knows every detail of every single defendant that's you know in their case, right? It's like yes. she she starts off so calm in that moment in front of all the other like reporters in the room, all the other men in the room. She picks up that phone, he answers and she's like, "Now, listen here, you chimpanzee." And then like just goes off on him and just drags him and it's so fucking good. It's so funny. It's, it's so delicious. And anytime someone it. is like, now listening here, you blank. It's always funny to me. Like I, that's like the most basic form Same. of humor that like truly yeah. gets me. I love it's really fun. insults. And the idea of calling <laughs> Gary Granite a is just very funny to me. Like it doesn't it's, track at all, but it's good. Exactly. Also, I forgot the one line where it's like, where he's like, I swear on my mother's grave or whatever. And she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Your mother's alive.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so good. She's like, you can't scam me, baby.
0: Oh, I do want to talk about also the Oscars that year, because I think that's very important. Yes. Um, also, so like we talked about Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell, having great chemistry and stuff like that. Um, but also, did you know, not only did they go out dancing together for fun, which I think is very cute, um, and we should all do that more, um he introduced her to her husband who she was married to for 35 years and he was the best man in their wedding i didn't know that
1: yeah wow i love that a lot okay let's talk about these oscars because i'm looking at what was nominated for best picture and i'm just like it's girl friday should wild. Be
0: it's a wild list though so i mean to begin with the year is 1940. The Oscars, in general, are in an interesting place. It was the 13th Academy Awards. Um, for the first time, the names of all winners were kept secret until the moment they received their awards. Uh, this is the first year they had sealed envelopes, so that's where we get the line, "May I have the envelope, please?" Uh, the account, the accounting firm, of Price Waterhouse, was hired to count the ballots. Um, Because the year before, in 1939, the voting results were leaked by the Los Angeles Times. It's incredible. Wild. It's actually, not to invoke Drag Race again, but literally a very similar thing happened with Drag Race, where on season three of the show, the winner was leaked ahead of time. Because at the time, they only filmed one definitive ending, and that was the ending that would air. Um, Perez Hilton got a hold of it and ended up posting about it. And so everybody knew ahead of time who had won. Now what they do is they do several endings with all of the finalists winning. Occasionally they will do a tie ending um, that they filmed or in the case of All Stars 4, where they didn't do that at all and then edit it together in a Franken edit that will never be forgotten. And is one of the worst things I've ever watched in terms of editing, Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, (laughs) you're safe for now. It's very interesting um, that this big leak happened. And that is like, the reason why things are done the way they are now. I think that's yeah. very interesting.
1: And this was the first year that they like differentiated between original screenplay and adapted. They didn't yes. call it adapted back then, but it's adapted.
0: Yes. They called it best screenplay versus best original screenplay, which I find very funny. They also had a best story award at yeah. that time. This was not the first year for it, but they had a best story award, which I find kind of interesting. And I almost wonder, should they bring it back? What is uh, it? What is its purpose? Yeah. I'm kind of curious. I guess, I Like it's a very interesting distinction. Yeah. Like, breaking it down even further. Um, obviously at the time they also had like best cinematography, you know, for black and white and, and color. Same um, with
1: like Art Direction and a few others as well. Yeah.
0: And then like best sound, um, the way that it was noted was best sound recording rather than editing, best mixing. sound design, editing, mixing. Now it's all combined into one similarly, Again. but the difference is that this wording was because sound was still new at the time. Um, obviously yeah. it's not now <laughs> no <laughs> the artist
1: did not change things i still have to rewatch that i forgot to watch
0: it you're going to provide I, I, an update corner it's going to be great and i will
1: i will watch it maybe this week i'm trying to get oscars things done but Fair. now i'm down to like the ones i don't really want to watch so
0: i get you yeah but yeah so like 10 nominees this year for Best Picture, which it's wild that they ever went to five. I don't think five is ever enough in a year to fully encapsulate like the best. I think you're really limiting yourself there. It's wild to think that you'll have a year with five and one of them might be Babe or Beauty and the Beast. Like, it's really interesting that like when those movies get in, it's like, oh wow, like how did it manage to do that when there were only five nominees, right? Um, But now we have up to 10, oftentimes they usually resort to about eight and it's based on how voting is done. Um, I think we should always take advantage of a full 10 because it allows for some exciting options to come into the equation. Um, In this case, you know, I haven't seen all the nominees this year, but the ones that are there, I understand why quite a few of them are there. It makes sense, Um, but it's kind of wild that this movie is not even in the conversation. I
1: know. It's so strange to me.
0: So to begin with, uh, Rebecca won this year. This is Alfred Hitchcock's only Best Picture win. Um, Rebecca's a great movie. Love it so much. Do not watch the Netflix one with a noted cannibal and... Um, Lori James. Don't do it. Yeah, no, we don't do that. We don't stand. Also, in general, he like Ben Wheatley completely misunderstands the material, and is like, yeah, no, like I didn't want there to be an age gap. I'm like the one time the age gap discourse. <laughs> has not benefited us is when it comes to a film where the age gap is the entire thing and he has changed it. Are you fucking kidding me? I could not believe it. Um, Also it looks really cheaply made. So, but that's besides the point. Um, So the other nominations this year were all this in heaven Two grapes of wrath, foreign correspondent, the great dictator, Kitty Foyle, the letter, the long voyage home, our town and the Philadelphia story. The only ones I've seen are Rebecca and the Philadelphia story.
1: I have seen grapes of wrath. I've seen the great dictator. Um, and I've seen Our Town.
0: So the director winner that year was John Ford for Grapes of Wrath, unsurprising. Um, the right, other nominees were Sam Wood for The Letter, William Wyler for Kitty Foyle, George Cooker for Philadelphia Story, and Alfred Hitchcock for Rebecca. Um, actor winner that year was Jimmy Stewart, my boy, uh, for we Philadelphia Story. Stewart. Yes. Against Charlie Chaplin, Henry Fonda, Raymond Massey for Abe Lincoln in Illinois where he played Abe Lincoln, which made me laugh when I looked at, like, because, you know, they list the character names on the Wikipedia pages next to all the wins, or all the nominees, and it was just so funny to see, like, you know, normal characters, and then Abe Lincoln. (laughs) I
1: didn't know that this existed.
0: Yes. And that's the funny thing about actor nominees, is that, like, the movies we generally remember, we generally remember most of the nominees for movies, but, like, acting, you'll just get, like, a random one in there, like, Julianne Moore and Still Alice, and you're like, what is going on? (laughs) a movie that's not even that's not even thought about anymore right no and then of course uh oh and laurence olivier also was nominated for rebecca actress that year was ginger rogers uh, who won for kitty Foyle. she was against betty davis for the letter joan fontaine for rebecca katherine hepburn for the philadelphia story and martha scott for our town that's a
1: stacked category it's a fucking
0: stacked (laughs) that's a stacked category yeah both of them are like both actor categories that you are really stacked i appreciate it i like it nothing's more disappointing than looking back and being like that's what you're nominated yeah sure um and then that year adapted screenplay then just called best screenplay went to philadelphia story much deserved and best sound recording went to strike up the band um this movie Easily could have gone up for Best Sound Recording. That also, yeah. if I remember correctly, there was, there was more than five nominees in that category. Because so, there's like a
1: ton. Yeah, it makes no sense.
0: It could have easily have gotten in people, that year.
1: People didn't want to see a girl boss winning.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that really changes movies forever. So, like, really, it's kind of more egregious that it's not in that conversation then. Um, yeah. And then for Actress, obviously we would have put in Rosalind Russell. I think there's a, an agreement 100%. on that. Carrie <laughs> Grant for Actor... Um, he was only nominated twice too and he never won which is always shocking Crazy. when you find that kind of stuff out
1: I know it's just like um, really
0: that like hello and Howard Hawks we definitely would have nominated for best director and his girlfriend Friday for best picture in general um, you could make other arguments for editing um, you know, honestly
1: like a lot of things like I would have nominated this for a lot of things
0: it's interesting to look back I definitely have a lot of Oscar movies that I have never seen before <laughs> and um some i don't plan to like i will never watch all the best picture nominees because that does not interest me in any way shape or form because once again yes the oscars are important um but also sometimes they're not everything they
1: nominate some bad things sometimes
0: yeah and i think that's the importance too of doing an episode like this because like his girl friday is so significant but it didn't win a single oscar saying power is hell
1: everyone knows it. everyone talks about it here we are
0: didn't get nominated um, there were even moments, you know, where it's like, well, Rosalind Russell is 11th in line for this role. Cary Grant, no, that character should be played by Clark Gable. Like literally there's all of these things, but now everything came together and we all think of it as this like incredible piece of comedy and filmmaking and, um, just, it's a great fucking movie and it really yeah. is so enjoyable. It's so fun to watch. And Oscars, you know, they do set the cultural conversation oftentimes. And it, I kind of brought this up with the golden globes thing where people were like, well, fuck the Oscars, fuck the golden globes. And it's like, yeah, we can have that. We can have that attitude, but at the same time, it doesn't take away their significance and what it means for filmmakers to be nominated for those, especially those from marginalized communities. Not that this movie is one of those, but like, and here's the thing. Yeah. Because like the golden globes are outdated, whatever Oscars are outdated, whatever. But the problem is that if a movie like that doesn't get nominated, less people are going to watch it, less people don't even know it exists.
1: It's the visibility aspect, yeah.
0: And, and yes, the Oscars should not be your only metric for success, but the problem is that those movies deserve to be seen. They deserve to be in the conversation. And what sucks is that the currency that those things have determines whether or not more people, more eyes are put upon them, unfortunately. Um, obviously, it's important to be vigilant and to be very, you know, sort of vocal about promoting these films and and putting them out there and recommending them to people. Yeah. But them getting nominations is also like kind of a huge thing and also can completely change the filmmakers' lives. It can change, you know, the actresses and the actors' lives.
1: Um, more opportunities, all more that. More opportunities.
0: Yeah. You know, so when you get a nomination, you can dine on you can dine out on that for a while, you know. You can't dine out on no nominations, you know, like, you know, it does change things and it it, it yeah. gives you power. It gives you something. Um, and unfortunately, awards can be very exclusionary. But at the same time, once again, they're not everything. Um, it's a very sort of weird balance to have to deal with.
1: Okay. For what the plot this week, Shelby is going to guess Sullivan's Travels. A movie from the year after his Girl Friday, 1941.
0: Okay. And as I said to Sky Off Mike, this is a movie I have read the Plummery. (laughs) Hmm? My brain stopped working. This This is a movie that I have read the plot summary for. But every time I read it, I don't remember a single thing. Literally could not tell you. It is the Sienna Miller of plot synopses for me. Completely unforgettable. Just, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's excellent but i cannot remember what it looks like you know yeah yeah so um sullivan's travels i'm veronica lake is in this correct yes and she's gorgeous and i've seen the poster she's she's got blonde hair she's, she's wearing like a red shirt or yeah, something she's hot, yeah red, red dress or something um okay so basically the idea is that let's think okay so similar to this movie there's a guy Okay, I don't know what his name is. I don't know who plays him, but there's a guy. Is it Sullivan? Yeah, Sullivan. Obviously. So Sullivan, the titular Sullivan, he's a guy. Maybe he's like a treasure hunter. Okay. And he loves treasure hunting so much. It's his entire life. It's all he cares about. He gets out of the game for whatever reason. Something happens. He loses his partner who helps him out or I don't know. Maybe he gets injured or something. Or maybe he settles down for a little bit. But then, oh boy, guess what? He gets pulled back in against his will. But also at the same time, he's really happy about it. he goes he goes to get the treasure. Veronica Lake is there. And she's like, Not so fast. You're not getting the treasure. But maybe at first, she's kind of innocent, you know. She's kind of like, Oh, You're looking for the treasure? Oh, I can help you with my feminine wiles, right? Whatever they did back in the 40s with women in movies. And um, so like they team up together initially, but really she's got like a boyfriend on the side or something, okay? She's got a guy and she's double crossing him. She's pretending that she's helping him, but really she's making it worse. She's making it harder. She's trying to, you know, sort of obfuscate I don't even know if I'm using that word right, but she's trying to like make things more difficult for him. Yeah. Misleading him, lying, you know, whatever. He ends up finding out and he's like, hey, here, Missy, Veronica Lake. I don't like that. But you know what? Even though you've double-crossed me, I like you so much. You're so gorgeous. You're so pretty. You're so smart. You're so fun. And you make me feel alive again. I- I'm going to give you a cut of the treasure if I find it. So you need to help me out. She's like, you know what? Actually, I like that. I like that deal more because you're kind of nicer to me than my shitty boyfriend. So I'm going to help you out. They do that. They team up. They find the treasure. There's maybe a conflict at the end. Maybe there's a fight, you know. And the boyfriend's like, no, you're not going with him. And she's like, yeah, I am going with him. So they take the treasure and they leave. And then they continue to travel. Okay. They leave, they continue to travel and they continue to find treasure together. And that is Sullivan's Travels. And I know that it's not what the movie is is at all, mm-hmm. but I think it could be a movie. And I think it should it happen. Be. Thank you.
1: Um, so Sullivan's Travels, it's about this Hollywood director. All he's doing is comedies and he's like, I want something, you know, deeper. Yeah. Um a- apparently his thought process is, oh, let me dress up as like this unhoused person. I'm gonna pretend to be homeless do all these things and his staff follows him in a bus and he is just like eating in soup kitchens and just like
0: meeting all these people you (laughs) have to to make this this cannot be what this movie is about
1: so he uh he's just like pretending to be poor and homeless and um, then the studio publicizes this. Um, they're like, look, look at what we've done. And um, he, I guess, meets this girl at one point. And then he's like, actually, I'm like married to someone else. Um, and I, <laughs> okay. And then this is where it really gets off the rails. I... I just have to read this part. Please do. Sullivan is knocked unconscious and put in a boxcar leaving the city. The thief gets run over by another train. When the mangled body is found, it turns out that the thief who stole and is wearing Sullivan's shoes, a special identification card his valet had sewn into them, identifies him as Sullivan. Meanwhile, the real Sullivan wakes up in another city with no memory of who he is or how he got there. A railway worker finds him and berates him for illegally entering the rail yard, shoving him. In his confused state, Sullivan hits the man with a rock, for which he is sentenced to six years in a labor camp. He gradually retains his memory. In the camp, he attends a showing of Walt Disney's 1934 Playful Pluto cartoon, and is surprised to find him laughing along with the other inmates. Um... (laughs) unable to convince anyone that he is Sullivan or communicate with the outside world he comes up with the solution after seeing his unsolved killing on the front page of a newspaper he confesses to being his own killer and then he goes back to make the movie he wanted to make
0: so that's like the middle to end of that movie
1: yeah
0: I don't know I am rendered speechless I swear you made that up you had to have made that up Sorry, I didn't. had to make that up. No, no I, I swear, that
1: I read word for word off of this Wikipedia.
0: I cannot believe this. What the fuck? It's
1: something. I mean, what it has fuck? it has good reviews on Letterboxd from people we know.
0: Okay, to begin with, why is this man did, like? Did Tyra watch? this movie, and then do the segment on the Tyra show where she was pretending to be unhoused. She had to have. Somebody at that show had to watch that. They
1: said, hey, Tyra, have you ever seen Veronica Lake in Sullivan's Travels? And then
0: that happened. I just, I don't know about it. I don't know about that either. That is a lot to take in. And even then kind Of bewildered that it's considered one of the all time greats, but I guess you have to watch it to understand that. I still think my movie was better, I agree. Yeah, that's our show for
1: today, folks. Yeah, on social media, you can find us on Twitter at blessedpick and on Instagram at blessed.picture. Um, please feel free to rate, to review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, that really helps us out. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Overcast. Um, recommend us to your friends and family. It means a lot to us.
0: Yeah, baby. Uh, but we are done with Oscar favorites. Uh, we are moving on to May, which is Sky's Wait. birth month, which means we are doing Musical May. Yes. I don't yes. think we officially come up with a title for that, but, but that's it. It's clean and simple. That's it. It's clear the.
1: simple. We dropped the the.
0: It's just musical May, and we're going to be covering a variety of musicals for a your berry. enjoyment.
1: It's it's a it's a variety for sure. A
0: variety for sure. Get excited for another Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> and we Hell also yeah! Maybe covering a movie against my will. <laughs> if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know which one I'm talking about. The one yeah, that has sure. often been threatened. I've often it's been happening. threatened with.
1: It's happening. It's my birthday month bitches.
0: It's happening. So, with that in mind, we leave you until May. And we say Farewell, saying goodbye. I hate do I do. I you. I do. And leave us you. And you. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of that song is when they go goodbye. <laughs> and a horse kicked her (laughs) (laughs) goodbye goodbye for real